0: Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black.
1: Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking to Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol. We live in an amazing city, Washington, D.C., DC is rich with history. DC was pl- a planned city designed to serve our nation's capital. Throughout the city's history, major plans and significant local and national events have shaped its design and growth. As we drive or walk down the streets of DC, the buildings we pass have taken roles and have backstories about significant events that have shaped our city. One of the most significant buildings in our city, by far, is the U.S. Capitol. So Mary, first, I wanna thank you for joining us here on Leaders and Legends.
0: Oh, thank you for inviting me.
1: So before we get started, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the architect of the Capitol office or the AOC. What is the mission, the span of responsibility of this office? Can you give us a little background on it?
0: Yes, of course. Our mission is three words, serve, preserve and inspire. We serve Congress. We preserve the buildings of Congress, the legislature, and, and judicial branch. And we do everything we can to inspire the people who visit us and those who work in our buildings.
1: Now, well, that's, that's a great mission. Now, you have quite a few buildings that people might not be aware would be under your purview.
0: We have about 15, oh, let's see, no, now it's about 18.5 million square feet of building. It includes all of the House and Senate office buildings, uh, Rayburn, Longworth, Cannon, Dirksen, Hart, and Russell, Uh, three Library of Congress buildings, the main building, Jefferson, Adams, and Madison, and the Botanic Garden. And we also uh, uh, manage the facilities for the Supreme Court. They have two buildings. And then, of course, there's the center building, the Capitol.
1: (laughs) That's a big job. So what is your role at the Architect of the Capitol?
0: Well, as Historic Preservation Officer, it's um, really my responsibility to try to protect our, our, what we call cultural uh, heritage assets. Um, Most of the world speaks of them as historic resources, but the term that we use at AOC is heritage asset. And it's my job to try to keep them, as I say, intact, not and available for future generations—not for a hundred years, but five hundred years or longer. Uh, it's important that uh, future generations see the same thing that we see.
1: So, how did you get into historic preservation?
0: Uh, by accident. Uh, by it, it was a it was a lot of things converging at the same time. Um, I was in architecture school a long time ago. My studio professors were, I would say, fairly abusive. (laughs) Um, But my architectural history professors were very encouraging and supportive and really pushed me into a preservation architecture, which was very new then. This was a long time ago. Uh, The National Historic Preservation Act was was uh, uh, put into law in 1966. I graduated from architecture school in 1973, so preservation was was a new thing. You know, there have been a lot of people like DAR and the women at Mount Vernon who've been preserving our heritage for a long time. But as a as a general social sort of, I don't know what to call it. Uh, you know. Uh, Focus preservation was very new then.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad it exists. My, as you know, my husband is an architect and historic preservationist, and uh, that is um, important to preserve our history for future generations. I think so. <laughs> so, you had your own firm, Mary, in the D.C. area. It was award-winning fir- firm that uh, you know has met, left its mark on so many buildings downtown D.C. where you preserved. The significant parts of buildings or full buildings. Um, so, h- why did you choose to close down your firm and join the architect of the Capitol?
0: Um, we were we were very busy, but I was tired of the business part of the business, um, the marketing, you know, fee negotiations, personnel issues. Um, all of that you know the work is wonderful the buildings are wonderful but uh, but the business side of it i was just tired of it and ready for a change
1: you're listening to leaders and legends in government on federal news radio part of federal news network our guest today is mary airline historic Preservation officer of the architect of the capitol office Um, mary Can you tell me about the inventory of buildings that AOC supports from a historical significance? You named all the buildings, but what ones are historical?
0: Oh, nearly all of them. Uh, It's easier to name the facilities that aren't. Um, We have uh, library storage facilities at Fort Meade that are not on our heritage asset list um, and some other production storage facilities. Uh, there are buildings even at our power plant that are considered our heritage assets because they were the initial boiler plant and refrigeration plant buildings that were built to support uh, heating for our, for our properties.
1: Well, well, let's start with the Capitol first. Sure. When was the Capitol built and why did they choose Washington DC for the Capitol?
0: Well, the choice of Washington was a little contentious and it took several years for that decision to be made. There was you know uh, plans for Philadelphia or New York um, and it it really um, took quite a while for the decision to be made by our our then leaders that Washington was the right place and the decision was made because it was pr- primarily because it was um, sort of in the center of what then was the United States, but also because it would be a new city. It wouldn't be tied to to an existing city. Uh, the Capitol building uh, was designed by competition. The initial competitors, uh, none of the designs were anything that Washington liked, President Washington liked. So um, they continued to sort of massage the, the designs And uh, then there was a a new design that came. It was late to the competition, but it was something that uh, President Washington really liked, designed by uh, William Thornton. And it's pretty much what the center of the Capitol looks like now. Um, And construction was started in 1793, and Congress occupied the building the first time in late 1800. So, in seven years, they were able to build only a full, very small part of what is now the Capitol.
1: So, there was, um, uh, it wasn't built until Jefferson uh, was uh, in an office. So, you know, th- there was probably several designs, uh, any that are significant that actually would, you know, catch your eye or was comical or.
0: Oh, of the, of the original competition design? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, most of them were awful. Uh, they looked like uh, uh, sort of blown-up residential structures with a, with a spire on top. Um, but, but the one that Thornton submitted had a dome on top, which Washington really liked. He thought that, that that gave it something that didn't look like any of the other public buildings in the United States.
1: I understand the design has evolved over time and that uh, it's still not finished. Is that correct?
0: Well, the, the building has been under continuous construction since 1793, um, except for a small period between about 1828 and 1850. Uh, there was a lull in the, in the construction at that point. Otherwise, there's always something being built and changes being made and improvements being made to the building. Um, either through really major expansions like the House and Senate uh, extensions, the the West Front restoration or the East Front extension, I mean it just keeps it just keeps changing.
1: So I, I imagine it changes with the needs of the time. And I was while doing research for this interview, I learned that the, the at least on the Senate side, there's marble bathtubs in the bottom of the, uh, the chambers down there. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, the bathtubs and how they ended up there?
0: The bathtubs are, are really wonderful. They're a single piece of marble where the tub space is carved out. They were originally intended to be on the second floor of the building, but uh, the then architect of the Capitol, Thomas U. Walter, uh, realized that they were so heavy that the second floor of the extension couldn't hold it. They were not in the Capitol until until the, ex- the Senate extension was constructed, and that was between 1855 and 1868. So they were installed in the building in that time period. And you know, you may think it's strange that there are bathtubs in a in a public but basically a public office building. But at that time, the senators and the representatives were didn't have houses here. They seldom moved their families to Washington. They were living in rooming houses where their access to bathing facilities was not
1: great. I understand there's a law on the books. I was reading this. I, I thought one of the most interesting I, thing I found was I, and there's a law in the books that you can't have body odor. odor I'm sorry. In the Library of Congress, is that true uh, for that, the House and the Senate? Uh, you know, members too. I mean,
0: well, I'm not. I'm not aware <laughs> of that law, but but it doesn't doesn't sound like uh, unfeasible. Um, you know, I, people bathed less frequently than than we do now, and I think it. There was. There was no air conditioning in the building until 1930, so in the middle of summer, it might have gotten a little...
1: I've been on the metro where I wish it was the law a few times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speaking with Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer from the Architect of the Capitol. Coming up next, we'll ask Mary about her favorite story to tell about the Capitol. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer from the Architect of the Capitol Office. Mary, there's so many historical events that have happened in our Capitol. What story is your favorite?
0: It's a a wonderful building that has, as I said, been under construction for its entire history, but also has been subject to multiple fires, uh, multiple bombs and, and explosions uh, from a variety of people and sources. And um, the, all of those are interesting stories. There are also incredible number of myths about the building, um, the, the ghosts and the, and the tunnels. If you remember Dan Brown's book about, uh, about the Capitol, uh, said, my sister came to visit and she said, are those tunnels really there? And I said, Yes, of course they are. <laughs> but,
1: they're great tunnels, by the way. Right. I used to work on Capitol Hill. <laughs>
0: um, so, so there are so many, so many pieces, you know, uh, of the history that it's hard to to pick one. Um, you know, we we have things that have moved into the Capitol and um, that really don't belong there. They've just shown up from from other buildings and other parts of, of the country. We have a chandelier that um, I listen to the to the congressional staffers when they give their tours. Our capital visitor services guides are very, very well trained. They they go through through all kinds of historical documentation and training. But the staff guides don't do that. And so they tell wonderful stories. So I stopped to listen to them sometimes. The stories about this chandelier, which was actually installed in the building in 1964, um, some of them say that it came off of the Titanic, which I think is interesting that the the ship went down but the chandelier was saved. that it's made of diamonds and that it's worth, you know, $18 million. And all I can think when I hear that is if it was worth $18 million, I would sell it <laughs> so fast. Um, so so it's it's interesting, the stories that people tell.
1: I, the, I heard some really, inc- yep. I read some really incredible ones. I'm gonna ask you about a few. Okay. So there's some stains at the bottom of some stairs there at the Capitol. And the story that I read was there was a Congressman that was very upset with a reporter and so it stuck to my mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I guess shot this reporter and fell down the stairs. And the stains down there are from the blood of the reporter.
0: Well, I don't know where these <laughs> stains are, but I'm not surprised that people <laughs> there people have been shot in the building. Um,
1: but, but I'm sure the. Stains but I'm are. not aware
0: of this, <laughs> any blood stains left on the stairs anywhere.
1: And there's a. Uh, uh, footprints of cats. Ah, and, uh, cat. you know, basically, I'm sure everybody who's done any uh, research or, of the Capitol, especially around Halloween, there's the ghost cat.
0: Ghost cat. Um, I don't think there are any cats in the building now. But when this concrete floor was installed, it was after an explosion in the building. 1898. There was a there was a gas explosion in the building which tore up the floors in this particular area of the Capitol, and so they very quickly um, re- repaired the areas because it's right in the middle of a corridor, um, and they poured concrete floors which are still there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess at some point when the concrete floor the concrete was still wet, this a cat walked through and you can see the paw prints, which I find am- amazing. And again, this is this staff tour stories, I see people down on their hands and knees looking for these cat paws in the concrete and it's like the, the, the building is so, beautiful and, it's these so the, beautiful, and these are the things that people
1: take the, away. <laughs> let's go back to the beautiful part. Um, you're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government and Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. And our guest today is Mariel Airline, Historic Preservation Officer from the Architect of the Capitol. So let's talk about some of the most beautiful areas of the Capitol. So where and what is the Capitol Rotunda? Well,
0: the Rotunda is the center of the Capitol. It's the it's the largest, tallest, most ceremonial space in the building, and really is intended and used as a ceremonial space. Um, everybody who comes to the Capitol must go to the rotunda. It's gorgeous. Must
1: um, <laughs> so th- there's also a national uh, National Statuary Hall collection. Uh, tell me about that.
0: Well, Statuary Hall is the original House uh, chamber. Uh, which was a was a, abandoned when the new chamber was built in in 1860 or thereabouts. They moved into it about 63, and and it was then used as a warehouse, storage, whatever. It was a collection of. Someone described it once as it looked like a it looked like a marketplace because there were vendors and people selling things and storage and, but. In, in the, um, as part of the extension construction, they put in a new floor, and, and there was legislation that was passed that it, would be, that it would be Statuary Hall. And every state would have the opportunity to put two pieces of sculpture, two statues in the Capitol. And uh, so a good number of those are in Statuary Hall, uh, where people can come and find the, the sculpture, the statues from their state. Um, with the opening of the uh, visitor center, some of them got moved out of Statuary Hall. I've seen historic photographs where there were literally people, uh, the sculptures standing four deep at the perimeter of the room. So okay. now they've been spread out a bit, uh, so they're a little bit easier to, to look at and to appreciate
1: there's some, uh, is there any significant statue itself or story? I, I know that Hawaii uh, donated or, or provided a statue that is huge.
0: It is big, and, and it looks um, a little bit like Darth Vader. It's really it's really quite a wonderful piece of sculpture. Um, it is not in Statuary Hall. It's in what we call the uh, Hall of Columns, which is the house entrance lobby.
1: Now, there is a A location in the Capitol where if you're on one side of the room you can be heard all the way across the other. Can you tell the listeners where this is and and why it was uh, it was actually designed that way, right?
0: Uh, It was a mistake in the design. It's Statuary Hall, the original house chamber, Um, and the acoustics in the room have been bad since the day it was constructed. Uh, Because of the shape of the room it's, it's a semicircle with a domed ceiling, mm. which focuses the sound. So as as was as is still true and was then, the Republicans are on one side of the chamber and the Democrats are on the other side of the chamber. And the, and the sound bouncing on this domed ceiling is that you could hear whispered conversations on one side of the room to the other side of the room. So it was very hard to have a private conversation uh, mean that's a good chamber. thing. That's, maybe that's Even a good today, thing. Even today. Yeah. You know, and so. I,
1: it's been historically uh, used, right? I mean, a couple of times it's been useful. Uh, uh, to, to hear the
0: whispers across <laughs> the room. Have <laughs> <laughs> To be careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Um, so. Let's talk about what the Capitol is made of. Um, you know, you, I know you've been working for several years uh, in, uh, in regards to the preservation of the Capitol itself. Has pollution, the years, has that hurt the actual materials? What is it made of, and, and how do you preserve it so that it still looks like it did, you know, 100 years ago?
0: The uh, dome is cast iron, which we've just completed now three years ago, the restoration of, the, of that cast iron. And we're working on the next second phase of the stone uh, restoration. The the extensions are uh, Lee, Massachusetts marble and Cockeysville, Maryland marble. The center of the building on the west side is Aquia Creek sandstone, the original construction material for for the Capitol. And the stone on the east front center is Georgia marble. So we have a lot of different materials. Um, We are right now just doing cleaning with a fairly mild uh, chemical cleaner and warm water, repointing all of the joints, taking out the old mortar, putting new mortar in, and doing quite a bit of stone replacement. That There has been a a substantial amount of deterioration of the stone, and um, it's a little frightening when you touch it and it falls off in your hands. So we are replacing rosettes at the cornice and beautiful leaves on the, on the Corinthian columns um, to make sure that it's sound for another 100 years, 200 years, 500 years.
1: So. I'm speaking with Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer and member of the Architect of the Capitol Office. Coming up next, we'll talk to Mary about how she balances the powerful and the preservation efforts. You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. Welcome back to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking to Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol Office. Mary, you mentioned that architect of the Capitol office, supports the legislative branch. Some of the most powerful, most important people in our government are part of this branch. How does the balancing act of preserving these buildings while keeping these buildings, you know, working office buildings, serving these people, organizations with the big roles that they have, how do you support and balance that?
0: Uh, It's not easy uh it's, it's difficult some days because we do have people who are powerful and um, they have a personal sense of importance. And uh, sometimes when they say, I want, they expect it to happen. Um, but it's not always to the benefit of the building.
1: You, I understand you even do work in the middle of the night so that the office building isn't the, the work that it gets done in the building does not get disturbed.
0: It's, it's true. A lot of our work, um, um, I think what you said that's most important is that this is a functioning office building. It is where Congress meets nearly every day. And even when they're not in session, the offices are busy, the committee rooms are busy. So for us to make noise during the day uh, in construction activities is very disruptive to the business of yeah. our country. Um and so a lot of our work, our maintenance work and, and repair work is done at night. The work we're doing on the outside of the Capitol now with the, with the stone uh, conservation and restoration work is that all the noisy work happens before 7, 8 in the morning. Uh, our crews start work at midnight to 2 a.m. and work uh, uh, until they have to stop making noise. And then we do quiet work. So, it's, so it's, a, it's a bit of a balancing act. It makes our projects a little bit slower and more costly, but it's important. It, it needs to happen uh, because we can't stop the business of Congress.
1: I worked in the Russell and the Cannon building when I first got out of college And I was a systems engineer for a high-tech company installing uh, email at the time. And we had many challenges in putting technology in those buildings on the Hill. What are some of the most interesting, challenging stories with, you know, the changing needs of the occupants there, such as technology or security?
0: The the hardest is the technology, is that... um you know, we're, very, we're sitting here on radio, but we're, we're very much a visual-oriented uh, society. We have television, we have videos, and people want the cameras and the lights and the sound systems to support that, which in some of our spaces is really difficult to install without doing serious and permanent uh, uh, damage or alteration to the historic spaces. And unfortunately, sometimes they pick the most beautiful rooms because there—that's where they want to be filmed. Um, so it's a—it's a balance between, um, you know, making sure that that beautiful space remains beautiful and trying to accommodate the needs for our current technology. Same with security. Security uh, increases all the time, and um, we have—we have security everywhere. Uh, up. I
1: remember when you used to be able to drive up right up underneath the Capitol and drop somebody off. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> no,
0: right not. You can barely get in the buildings. Um, so so it's again accommodating the needs of the US Capitol Police for cameras and wiring and and again, lighting is that they they need to be able to see who's around the building and who's approaching them and at, at night. And so so we continue to to work with them to accommodate what they need to do their job to protect Congress.
1: You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. And our guest today is Mary Erloin, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol Office. What are some of the biggest preservation projects going on on the Capitol right now? And is there one in particular either that you're working on now or from the past that you're particularly proud of? There are
0: multiple large projects underway at the moment. We're doing full rehabilitation of the Cannon House Office building. Uh, We're in the, the second phase of construction. We started with phase zero. We're now in phase two, which includes both the interior and exterior The Capitol, the second phase of the stone work. And Russell, we're on second phase of that stone project as well. So I I started working with the architect of the Capitol as a consultant when I had my architectural firm. And um, one of the earliest things we did was survey the outside of the Capitol. And that was in 1998. So just now, are we finally getting to the point where we're doing the repair work that we recommended a long time ago.
1: Wow. So, there, we talked a little bit earlier about the significant artwork that mm. you can see in the building. Um, there, what are, can you tell us a little bit about it, and, and if you were to visit a capital, what would you go see?
0: Well, I would go to the Rotunda to see the, the uh, uh, fresco at the center of the of the of the dome, which is uh, called the apotheosis of Washington. Uh, it's a little strange to see Washington sitting on a throne with a wearing a toga, but um, it was uh, Constantino Bromidi who was the artist. It was his his vision of the president and his uh, uh, importance and and guidance to the to the country. Um, also, Brumidi paintings that are in the Senate Extension, which were um, painted between about 1858, 1865, are absolutely spectacular. Beautiful. They are beautiful. But there's also the Library of Congress, which has some of the most spectacular mosaics and, and mural paintings anywhere in the country uh, by a number of very important art artists. You have to understand that I'm I'm not the curator for art. I'm the I'm the I'm the preservation officer. The curator for the buildings, and so we have a AOC curator who is responsible for all this beautiful artwork and the preservation of it. So I know enough to get in trouble.
1: <laughs> so if uh, somebody wanted to come visit the Capitol, are there programs or ways that you would recommend uh, our listeners to approach it to really get the maximum value?
0: We have we have great website, actually, with a huge amount of historical information, both about the buildings and the, and the artwork. We have great brochures that, that um, describe all of the sculpture in the building. If you're looking for your particular state's uh, statue, it will tell you where to find it so that you don't have to wander around. But it's good to wander around.
1: Um, and you can wander around once you well, get through security?
0: Uh, yes and no. Uh, if you have purpose in the building, you can get uh, a screening and and a badge that will allow you to to move fairly freely in the building. But most people go with the tours and are and are uh, confined to the tours. But there are special tours that take you to the Burmitty quarters, and special tours that will take you to the top of the of the uh, of the dome on the outside. It's a pretty healthy climb up the 360-whatever stairs. Uh, But once you get there, the view of Washington is spectacular.
1: I'm speaking with Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol Office. Coming up next, I'll ask Mary about my two favorite building sites in Washington, D.C., the Jefferson Building and the Arboretum. You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black and today I'm talking to Mary Airline, historic preservation officer of the Architect of the Capitol office. Mary, before we talk about my favorites, do you have any?
0: Someone asked me the other day if if our if our asset list had priorities and I said no, all our children are equal. Oh, we don't have any favorites. But I, th- but we have buildings that have more elaborate decoration than others. But there's one building that very few people go to, which is the Adams Building of the Library. Uh, it's a wonderful Art Deco building completed in uh, 1934. Uh, it's very understated. Beautiful details, beautiful metalwork in the lobbies and the, and the entrance foyers. And I wish more people would appreciate it.
1: I've been in that building. I agree with you. Um, the Thomas Jefferson Building is one of my favorites, and I believe if I would tell this to anybody who comes to visit DC, if you have time this summer and you haven't seen it, it's worth the trip. Uh, tell us about this building and a little bit why it was built, and and what visitors might see if they came to see that building.
0: The Jefferson Building is the main building of the Library of Congress. And the Library of Congress was originally in the Capitol, in the West, uh, I'll call it the West Wing, uh, the West uh, portion of the center building of the Capitol. Um, and uh, after two fires and 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 an explosion, they moved out of the building to a new building, which was uh, fireproof construction, which was good. Um, it is probably one of the most beautiful buildings in the country in terms of the not only the architecture, it's a great Beaux-Arts uh, design building, but the art inside is overwhelmingly beautiful.
1: It, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh.
0: Um, all of the public spaces are decorated either with mosaics or murals or uh, uh, just decorative architectural painting, marble, I mean there's marble from all over the world. I try, I tried to do a listing of the marble in the Jefferson building and it just became, you know, pages and pages. There's rose marble. There it's just of,
1: spectacular. And in this great area, this beautiful area, there's usually displays too. So you, you there's just layers of things to see in that building. It's it's by far one of my favorite and it's not very hard to get into either.
0: No, and there's now a connection that that between the Capital Visitor Center, and the library, Jefferson Building, so you don't even have to go outside. That if it's raining or snowing or it's hot like it is today, you can travel underground.
1: I I remember I used to cut between the buildings when I worked on the hill uh, and through those tunnels, and it's, it's much easier than going on the street, especially when it's raining.
0: Right. We have five pedestrian tunnels and uh, multiple, multiple utility tunnels that crisscross the campus.
1: So uh, tell me more, let's take a step back in regards to the preservation efforts of that beautiful building. What projects have you had going on there? At the
0: Jefferson? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are no uh, uh, large projects in the building now of smaller projects that are maintenance focused. Um, but the, but the most recent largest project was installation of sprinklers throughout the building um and um, a large majority because it's a because it's such a massive stone uh, masonry bearing wall construction the majority of the sprinklers were run exposed rather than uh, uh, tearing out historic plaster and because of the artwork that we didn't have the opportunity to get behind some of the walls um, so it was it was a very much a surgical operation to get that sprinkler piping in there and it was done very very well. So I think everybody who worked on that should be very proud. And I, and I, I test you to go find it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the true test of preservation is you, you met the needs of the future and, uh, and uh, preserved the past. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. And our guest today is Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol Office. Mary, you also have responsibility for the Botanical Gardens, one of my favorite locations downtown. Tell us about this wonderful facility, interesting stories or challenges with preserving this wonderful building, um, and how can our listeners uh, visit this?
0: Botanic Garden is open every day of the year, and the, it's conservatory building, which is a wonderful, huge conservatory, greenhouse. It's a great place to visit in the wintertime because the tropical forests are warm and the deserts are warm. and There's also the National Garden, which is just to the to the west of the conservatory, which is beautiful. And the Bartoli Fountain, which is across the street, used to be on the center of the mall, and it was uh, when the existing Botanic Garden building was constructed. It sat in front of it, um, and it was moved not until 1930s uh, when the current conservatory was built uh, on a slightly different location off of the center of the mall. So, you know, it's a it's a great building. It's a wonderful environment. You can learn about all the plants from worldwide. Um, they have great programs.
1: A know. lot of the exhibits are constantly changing. Great changing, place to take kids. Right. It
0: is a good place to take kids. Uh, you can learn about... Food and and
1: plants and butterflies and everything. And-
0: <laughs> they have they have a, a very significant world renowned collection of of plants. Uh, Sixty two thousand, I think, was the number that the um, that the director told me the other day. Plant specimens.
1: The the actual building itself is just. Fantastic! How do you preserve such a ornate structure like that with the, you know, pollution and the weather conditions? Well, we've just finished
0: restoration of the limestone on the what's called the headhouse. is the only non glass piece of the building. Um, cleaned, pointed, new roof. Uh, actually, has a green roof, which is appropriate for the botanic garden. So it's a it's a constant maintenance. I mean, we are, we, you know, in that um, for years I've been pushing as a consultant and and as the preservation officer pushing stone and metals conservation, and now I'm pushing maintenance. Is that because once you once you bring the buildings to a good state of repair and conservation, it's important to maintain them and getting. Funding for maintenance is much harder than getting funding for capital projects, and I, it it requires a culture shift in your thinking. Um, but I'm pushing really hard to see that we get regular annual funding for maintenance programs for the buildings like that we've and the things that we've just restored, like the dome of the Capitol. There needs to be regular inspections and maintenance done so that it doesn't get to the level of disrepair it was in before we started work.
1: Preserving it for our next generation. So uh, yeah. if a listener out there uh, would like to get involved or volunteer or or provide some feedback that they think that we should uh, provide funding for these efforts or or donations for that, is there any way that a listener can get involved?
0: Well, we don't have any vehicle for accepting donations. I wish we did. We don't. All of our funding comes uh, through uh, Congress appropriations, but certainly, you can talk to your to your Congress person and suggest that it's important that we preserve these buildings for future generations, and it's important that we continue to maintain them. So yeah, it saves go, us money if we spend maintain.
1: a little money, right? That's if, true. Maintaining is a lot less expensive than having to find the right stone and then true. you know re- replace it. So in a way, it's pay now, pay now, later.
0: Uh, pay less now.
1: That's right. <laughs> or more, okay. more later. Well, Mary, you clearly have a strong uh, passion around uh, preservation of these historic buildings. And thank you for your service in and, and deciding to do that. But um, what, how did you get into it? And if there's a listener out there that's interested in, in, in becoming a historic preservationist, what would be your recommendation?
0: Volunteer with your local preservation organization. First, um, here in Washington, we have uh, the D.C. Preservation League. Uh, the National Trust is also headquartered here in Washington, um, and most state uh, states out there have, uh, and cities, larger cities and towns have historic preservation organizations that do fundraising and and do uh, restoration projects on on projects and properties. And so there's there's always somebody looking for a pair of hands that can work or pocket with money in it. And uh, so I would say reach out locally first. There are great preservation programs at at, uh, our universities now that didn't exist 50 years ago. Um, So there are lots of opportunities for training and education in preservation.
1: Uh, I, we will provide uh, the keywords and uh, the links to the websites. Uh, if visitors are interested in visiting the Capitol, the Jefferson Building, some of the facilities that we talked about today, um, we will provide the links on online. You've been listening to Litiers and Legends in Government. My guest today has been Mary Airline, Historic Preservation Officer of the Architect of the Capitol. Mary, first, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing this amazing story about these buildings and a little bit about your journey. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been
0: listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.